0: All righty, folks. I got to say, honestly, hate doing these shows on Mondays after a Bill's loss. I'm miserable. Everyone on the timeline is miserable. It's Finger Point Central. It's that one scene from Mean Girls over and over. But let's get someone in to bring in some reason to the season. Let's get someone to bring in uh, some sense in all of this. It's he. It's he.
1: It's Mikey P. Well, hey, Maniac. How's it going? How's your Monday? Hey, what a great three d chess move by uh coach McDermott by screwing the pads out of Caleb williams sweepstakes, huh? That's, that said is such gamesmanship you know just throwing it i i I don't know what to make sense of this game I mean there are just so many ways to dissect this game offensively and defensively and strategically and execution wise and et cetera et cetera we don't we only have so much time in this uh train wreck tonight show to go over just a few points, but there's just so much blame to go around. There's a there's a plurality plot of blame, as uh, old uh, Bruce Nolan would say.
0: Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I think you look at the Chan Gailey era. I think you look at the Rex Ryan era. You know where the blame fell during those eras. You knew that both of those eras had a defense that simply did not live up to what it needed to do. Rex Ryan's defense did it. Chan Gailey's offense was awesome. But Rex Ryan's defense sucked. For the most part, during the McDermott era, it's kind of like when they lose a game. I mean, they they make mistakes all over the board. Uh, It's not just the offense. It's not just the defense. It's not just the scheme and everything like that. And I think yesterday was the perfect example of that. There were blame you could put in so many directions. But I want to start with you on this. The last three games, the offense in the first half hasn't been bad. Hasn't been terrible. It's been non-existent, mm-hmm. uh, except for maybe one drive in Jacksonville, uh, you know, in London when things were going absolute sideways. They've done virtually nothing with them. I think it was about 20 to 30 uh, drives in the first half of these last three games. I forget. I was seeing them all, and they were all, you know, turnovers, punts, everything, one touchdown. So with that said, my question for you is what is going on behind these slow starts on the offensive side of the ball?
1: Well, to your point, uh, the Bills' last three games, uh, the first three quarters even – They've scored 34 points. Uh, 42 points have come in the fourth quarter. They're just waiting too long to get into these up-tempo you know, rhythms for Josh Allen that he likes to do in order to start getting down the field. Now, it, that might be a little deceiving because just like the last game, of the Giants game, uh, the touchdown that came in the fourth quarter, the first one uh, came on a long drive that started in the third quarter, and it ended with one play in the fourth quarter. So you could virtually count that as third quarter points, I guess. And uh, they get a, did get a touchdown, the first drive in the third quarter of this game. If not for a Dawson Knox specialty drop, maybe they get two scores in the third quarter. Well, they it actually, it actually came in the fourth quarter, so don't even count that. But uh, I, I think Josh Allen was just off in this game. I mean, I can go down the list of all the uh, throws that he missed, starting with the very soft uh, look staring down knocks on that very first pass for, for the interception. Belichick says it's something they saw on Tate going back to last season, and they were l- looking for that, essentially. Uh, there was a throw too high for Gabe Davis in the end zone. There was an overthrow on third down where he hit the sound guy. Very uh, Shades of E.J. Manuel in training camp, I think. Uh, he had a long bomb to Diggs that he overthrew. He would have gone for six if he hit him in stride. There's How dare couple. you bring the hospitality tent into this, by <laughs> the way?
0: Uh, no, the digs throw. That was a heartbreaker because that's one. Truthfully, I want to say they've been trying to hit that all season. I, I think yeah. they've missed that now two or three times with what with what they would tell you are throws that they should hit. Uh, but, yeah, that's obviously a backbreaker when you have a close game. Shout out to everybody tuning in on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have questions, get in the comments here for me and Mike P. Uh, yeah, but uh, blame goes all around. The offense slow starts. And, yeah, that does begin and end as far as I'm concerned with Josh Allen. I love Dorsey. You know, overall, those, those are not things he said. I love the body of work. So, I, with that said, I look at Josh as someone that needs to, you know, be identifying when things are going sideways. Someone who, after two slow starts on back-to-back games, is saying, hey, this is a division game. We know they're going to be up in our grill. We've got to start strong. And instead, it was the opposite, down 10 right away. So, with what are you seeing? What do you think? Um, you know, because we know they lost 29-25. We know blame can go all around. We know now that uh, – Dawson Knox is going to be having wrist surgery and he's going to be out for an indefinite period. So part of them, I don't want to talk about, you know, the past. I don't want to talk about the loss even yesterday at this point. I want to get right into it. How do you fix the bills and with the roster they have and with the team they have now?
1: Get the up-tempo offense going uh, much more soon. Don't wait until the fourth quarter and you're down by a couple of scores in order to start going no huddle or start going up-tempo and get Allen throwing it down the field. Maybe some of that in fourth quarter success is uh, the other team is playing off on their defense, and that's how we're finally getting scores. But we're it getting just enough scores in order to pull it, pull it close enough in order to win these games. We should be able to win these games. Uh, Kincaid and Cook got involved yesterday, or I should say on Sunday, uh, and looks like they were able to contribute. Kincaid for the first time going d- over the middle for like 15-yard gains, which is something we've been pounding the table on for these last few weeks. Uh, D- digs gets open but sometimes they just uh try to double and triple cover him to the point of uh, taking him out of the game and that's where you have to get second and third options uh for Allen, reliable ones and not just you know gabe davis being isolated doing go routes down the sidelines and not going over the middle of the field or not being not being able to hold on to the ball but now that he's out it's not going to be an issue so far uh, Deontay Harden made a great play out in the open field, making a couple of guys miss. I'd say get him involved in the passing game a little bit more often. All he had was that one catch, and they didn't really target him that much after that.
0: Yeah, I was surprised by that. I was surprised by the snap share from yesterday. I mean, plain and simple, uh Parthy. I mean, you look at it. They are trying to make Diggs, Davis, Knox, Kincaid happen. And simply put, it's not happening uh, for what they're trying to put out there. So... Obviously, Knox, you know, this is a forced, this is something that was forced on them. Obviously, Knox is hurt. He's got the wrist. He's going to be out for a while. Kincaid, numbers wise, when you've thrown to him, has been super dependable, super great. I think uh, yards per pass or something showed a number where I think it's 23 of 25 on Mm targets or something. And it would basically be top for anybody with, uh, you know, a certain number of targets. So, very interested to see what he could do as the lone tight end in this offense. I think a lot of fans were leaning towards wanting that. I'm not sure what happened with Dawson Knox, to be honest, over the last year and a half. Uh, 2020 and 2021, uh, this was a guy who was right around 600 yards each of those years, I believe. Uh, at the beginning of 2021, I think he had a touchdown in like five or six straight games. I want to say four or five straight games. Um, and, you know, it really looked like he was going to break out, in my opinion. And I think in a lot of people's opinions, but. Uh, that simply hasn't panned out to this point, despite the big contract that Bean and co gave him last year. Um, so again, with that said, we're going to be, we're going to kind of solve the offense in my mind by forcing Kincaid to be the one tight end. I don't think you're going to see Kincaid and Morris forced down our throats. What do you think about, uh, we were talking about Shakir. We were talking about seeing more out of Hardy. What do you think about seeing more out of James
1: Cook potentially in the past game? We saw a lot of, uh, out of him in the past game, this, uh, past game, uh, whether he was coming out of the backfield or going out wide uh he seems to be a much more in-depth uh, pass catcher than say uh what was that play where uh we had two guys out wide oh, oh Latavius, Latavius Murray, Murray. going yeah. out wide as a wide receiver and he got called for the pick play because that's not his forte going out wide uh Jeremy White in the morning show was lamenting about having Knox and Latavius on both uh, as re- outside receivers on that side alone, and that's where Latavius got caught in the pick play, and it took a Knox t- touchdown off the board. So you want that you wasn't want to even ha- a
0: pick. That was like an, an a like a friggin' he yeah. destroyed
1: the guy. He basically trucked him. Yeah, uh, I know we've driven this train before about deandre hopkins and you know odell beckham and whoever how many however many receivers were available in the draft if the titans are becoming sellers at the trade deadline they just traded a defensive back kevin bird to the eagles i say reopen those negotiations or find someone who's willing to you know part with a wide receiver because as much as we have cook and kincaid in the shorter or the middle of the field you have to get another threat going down the field to take the heat off of stefan diggs i think
0: I think that's a fair point, uh, Parthi. And I think uh, I've been looking at Greg Thompson. Obviously he was on here last week. Um, he's been pointing out that I think Hopkins uh, money through Tennessee was a signing bonus. Uh, so yeah, essentially, he essentially he's owed nothing, um, which is obviously nice uh, with that said, Oh yeah. I'm looking at the numbers for Hopkins. I mean, to be honest, I thought he had been kind of non-existent, but he hasn't been super terrible. I guess I would say in Tennessee, he's got almost 400 yards on the season, uh, you know, pacing close to a thousand yards despite, uh, you know, offensive issues there in Tennessee. And let's face it, you wouldn't be asking DeAndre Hopkins to be a one in Buffalo. Heck, you might not even be asking him to be a, your conventional two. Uh, you might just be asking him to be that situational receiver who can get open on a, on a third and three on a quick slant or something like that. You wouldn't be asking nearly as much of
1: Hopkins uh, as he's been asked his whole career, Barthi. It's the same thing that they're asking too much of Diggs. It's the it's the idea of not asking too much of Diggs and not asking too much of Hopkins if you he were here. So now, is that
0: your is that your one trade you would make, by the way, if you could, if you were being for a day? You, yeah, you would put the mean, trigger on, people, uh, on
1: Hopkins? There are people asking for maybe a defensive back, maybe a linebacker. I will say this. You want to talk about who to blame. The Bills were missing tackles left and right all day yesterday. Uh, Pat Miranda had this little stat from PFF that, Four of the bills on the defensive side had tackle grades of 30 or less. That was Jordan Phillips. It was Groot Hyde and linebacker Dorian Williams. So if we can get some help for a linebacker or a, a defensive backfields, uh, we just need to get healthier on the defensive line. As far as that goes, we've already invested too much money and too much uh, draft picks as it is. So yeah, I, I think the one trade big time trade opportunities are going to come for a wide receiver. Uh, Going going back briefly to what's what we gotta do to fix the bills, just get Josh Allen to run a little bit more. Don't have him be afraid to take off every once in a while if he can't find those receivers downfield. And just you know, clean up the tackling a little bit. But as far as trades, yeah, I want I want that wide receiver big trade that we didn't get signed in the offseason or drafted. Let's see if I can pull up the McDermott
0: audio real quick here.
1: Hmm. Hold on.
0: Hold on. Let's see. No, we're blowing it. I'm blowing it. At what point does the risk of putting him back... All right, blowing it. But bottom line was that if you saw the clip, Brasky asked, like, you know, when are we going to, like, you know, given the inconsistency, when are we going to potentially see, like, Josh Allen being brought into the running game? McDermott said something along the lines of, yeah, that's something we talk about every week, and we're going to continue to talk about that. Which, Hmm. like, you know, to be honest, Mike, if I went to, let's say... My, you know, let's say I went to my girlfriend, right? And this isn't even something I'm bringing up just to point out. I have a girlfriend. I can already hear all the haters on YouTube. (laughs) But that said, if I went to her and I go, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, only watching wrestling for the rest of, you know, eternity on TV? If I said that to her and she said back to me, you know, that's something we talk about and we can continue to talk about that. I would honestly not be very optimistic about me watching wrestling for the rest of eternity only, uh, you know, yeah. I have to mix in my bra and everything, but do you take Talk anything out of those? They see. Uh, do you take anything out of those comments? It's almost like when you translate it, it's almost like a snide response from McDermott, dare I say.
1: Yeah. You heard comments from uh, Josh Allen kind of not so much, you know, hating on the fans, but sort of uh, being a little snippet at people suggesting that, you know, the offensive coordinator might be the problem. I think, it's been, I, th- I think, by the it has, way, I think he's sounds done very that. defensive of him. He's done that his whole career, by the way. He's made those little comments his entire
0: career, whether it's the reporters, it's the, and he's always been right. He's always gotten the last laugh. But Parthi, it doesn't
1: seem like he's getting the
0: last laugh on this one.
1: No. You want to talk about the comments and they're indicative of uh, the Bills' offense. Uh, Dawson Knox was actually asked, you know, why is this team so much better when it goes up tempo? And he says, well, everything's a lot simpler. Maybe that's what they have to do. They have to simplify it. They have to, you know, not getting these creative too creative out there and just gunsling it down the field. Seriously. No, this seems
0: to be honest. uh, It's night and day when they've gone to hurry up or when they've been in the quote unquote Dorsey set. Uh, So, you know, I very much would like to see, this is what I, this is my only takeaway from the, from the new England game going forward. Take whatever was going on in that offense, the last seven minutes and put that going forward. That needs to be your offensive tempo. That needs to be your mindset. That needs to be your goal. I don't care if you're not even running the ball. I don't care if you got to throw it 10 straight times out of the game. Run the pass to, to build the run because, you know, just starting around play action, assuming that's going to work, clearly is not getting these teams, this, these Bills teams, strong opportunities out of the gate here.
1: You know, the last 20 years since we've gone through the drought, and now we have a much better offense, of course. But whenever the offense wasn't good over these years, people would go, oh, let's run the no huddle. Let's go back to the K-Gun, et cetera, et cetera. But we never had anybody to run the K-Gun or something to that effect. And now we're we're essentially saying the same thing that uh, uh, Marv Levy was saying after the 89 season. Hey, the no huddle r- offense runs so good in the last two minutes. Why don't we just run it all the time?
0: Yeah, that is a little bit of a dilemma. Classic K-gun dilemma there. Um, let's see. Okay, I got the McDermott clip real quick just before we go on this. Put a bottle on this before we get to Bucks talk. Increase Josh's presence in the running game. Maybe dial up some more. This is Brasky. Runs to, to maybe aid the offense uh, and, and get into a rhythm early. Yeah, good point. You know, those are things we talk about uh, every every uh, week, and, and I don't continue to be talked about yet the inconsistency... You got to be honest. Like, that really sounds like it's kind of, like, disregarding. I mean, now at first I thought, like, okay, at least it's maybe obvious. And they're going to be, like, bringing it in right away. But that almost sounds like they're disregarding it. But hopefully they're not disregarding it as the Bills get ready. It's going to be a quick turnaround. I mean, Mike, I think uh the one thing we're thankful for is that we're playing in three days. We don't have to wait for seven for this one.
1: Yeah, uh, not a whole lot of time to lament this loss, but... Then again, if they go out and have the same kind of performance and come up short again, it'll be doubling down on it essentially. Uh, I agree. I, I was looking at. I was initially going to look at the the Bucks team stats. Like they're twenty seventh in scoring offense, but they're actually sixth in scoring defense. So that's something that we're going to have to come go against uh, with these offensive uh, short, uh, slow starts. But then again, last two weeks I was looking at these same stats and seeing that we we're playing like the thirtieth and thirty first scoring. offense. I agree. This, this defenses, was supposed to be. And what did it really matter? This
0: was supposed to be the cherry on top. You were supposed to go through the Giants. You were supposed to go through the Patriots, and then you were going to get the Bucs at home, and then you'd have some time to recoup. Now you got it. Yeah, you're in a must win. The bu- the Bucs is essentially a must win because, yeah, you're right. You the, lose that. You can't in be the
1: doormats of the NFL. Then the, then the Bills are essentially sting. The only sh- thing for sure about them is nothing's for sure. And then uh,
0: Parthi, they lost to the Falcons yesterday. And I know the Falcons yeah. are a little bit better than people expected. A little bit better than people expected. But you know what the Falcons had a lot of uh, success doing on the ground yesterday or doing yesterday. I kind of spoiled it uh, Mm. against the Bucs running with their quarterback. Desmond Ritter had a couple Mm. of big runs in that game. So it would almost seem silly not to have Allen in in motion again. It's a seven to eight point spread. You don't want to look too much into these things because guess what? Last week was a seven to eight point spread. Uh, And a lot of people called that audacious and ridiculous. But with that said, what is your confidence level on a scale of 1 to 10 going into this Thursday Night Football matchup?
1: Uh, Four. Only because it's another team that's sort of middling. But again, we just faced a couple of teams that should have been below middling and just couldn't get out of the gates in the first half. Although
0: the Jaguars are kind of 5-2 and now.
1: Well, yeah, they're a little more respectable. And, and the Jets at home.
0: The Jets at home in primetime have shown they can compete with virtually anybody.
1: Yeah, we, we can make up all these, you know, isolated I know. things hey, listen, about. I'm just looking, well, to, be are, I'm just looking was to be a, a little team. positive. I'm just looking to be a little positive amongst yeah. Misery Monday because today has been fucking miserable. You I want, will you, tell you. You want to talk about running games? As far as the Chiefs go, their EPA per rush against the Chargers was a negative .39, and they still won by 14. Do you think anybody's telling them that uh, there's too they much? They got to have a balanced
0: game planned? Yeah, no yeah. no chance. No chance, for sure. Uh, speaking of no chance, uh, not Vince McMahon's theme song. Oh, by the way, Thursday Night Football, we're going to have hip-hop karaoke. What song would you do if you had to do karaoke?
1: Ooh, I think I would go for, uh, what was it, California Love? That's a go to go-to for me. Wow. Okay. I would have to see that one day from you. Uh, <laughs>
0: speaking of seeing, tonight we will see the Sabres host the Canadians. Uh, Sabres are a, a substantial favorite for them. They're minus 180, minus 190. Uh, Levi will not be a net. Comrie is going to be a net coming off a great start. Uh, what I like to call a Ryan Miller special uh, when you get 90% of a shutout and then you let up a goal uh, that was yeah. basically impossible to stop. No human was going to stop that puck uh, that got by him. It was a triple ricochet or whatever. Uh, but are you confident in the Sabres heading in tonight and going back to 500 overall at three and three on the year?
1: Those goat head jerseys have some kind of psychological advantage where they can't lose. At least, whatever slow start they're having is not affecting that aspect. But to, and at least Comrie's looking good for the what what little we've seen him. Uh, Comrie's going to go on Monday, and then we're gonna have Ukapek Luken go on Tuesday for Frozen Frenzy. So even if we get by Montreal, I don't have too much confidence in uh, UPK the way he's been looking before. But, of course, we haven't seen him this season so far. and It's a slow start offensively by Tuck, Tagen and company. But uh, as far as is it a slow start or is or is something really wrong with him, I would personally defer to guys like, you know, Chad D. Domenicis and uh, Sneaky Joe on WGR to have those answers but uh, sometimes the, the Sabres, they do get started slow in October and November, but this is the team that's not supposed to s- slow start like that. They're supposed to be coming out of the gates, just scoring six and seven goals, regardless of whether it's go ahead night or not. My prediction for them for September for October was six and three. So based on my
0: prediction, essentially they need to win out uh, for the rest of the month. And I guess they will. Uh, but tonight Comrie need a big start. And then, yeah, like you said, need my guy Uppy to come in on the, fr- on the frozen frenzy. Cause obviously we got Levi hurt. That's how uh, Parthy would manage that goalie carousel. We had UB with a big win over Kent State uh, last week, any or last Saturday. You know, this is the the sad thing, Party. I got to say this to you, is that, when, and this is my opinion, when the Sabres lose in a weekend and UB loses and the Bills win, nobody cares because the Bills won. And when UB wins in a weekend and the Sabres win in a weekend but the Bills lose, nobody cares because the Bills lost. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, the Sabers play so often that it goes back and forth. When the bill, when the Bills and UB play, and, and UB, of course, we love UB, but they're not as big as uh, the NFL. So when the Bills lose, it's always going to be that much more magnified because the stakes are so much higher. Like if UB was, you know, top twenty-five in the conference, in the in the nation, even, I should say. I think that people would be uh, living and dying with the Bulls just a little bit more. But since the Bills have Super Bowl aspirations and UB is just trying to, you know, get the MAC championship for another time, then it's sort of, you know, water off a duck's back when UB wins or loses.
0: Yeah, fair play. I will I you. Say they, point have been, you.
1: they have been playing well against the MAC schedule. They're three and one since starting 0 and 3, since they started their max schedule. I mean, hey, they beat a one and six Kent State team. How about? a Buffalo football team actually being a doormat when they're expected to. How about in this that? economy? I, I have a revolutionary idea by them? Uh, <laughs> and real got, quick, they got a tough test against Toledo. They're the Mac West division leader. They're four and in the conference and seven and one overall. So we're going to wind it down. We'll, really
0: we'll do a little wrestling talk for our dessert, but real quick, the, the, this is the weird thing that's happened is that last year, I think when the bills lost the Bengals. There was, you know, a lot of devastation because of the high hopes and everything like that. Shout out, uh, Fallout Boy. Uh, but the high hopes, like, it wasn't as bad. I remember the sentiment being really pissy because it was like in 2020 when we lost, or, you know, 2021 of January when we lost in the AFC Championship. It was the 2020 NFL season. But we lost. We were like, oh my gosh, it's going to be Mahomes and Allen for the next, you know, Five years. Nobody else is like going to be competing with these teams. Then Lamar kind of caught up a little bit more. Now you have Burrow obviously making it. And that was what sucks so much about that loss last year. And as we get into the Super Bowl picture for this year, you know, the Bills haven't really plummeted as much as you would think they would, and as much as Bills fans certainly would think they have. I think that if you ask a Bills fan right now today, they tell you the Bills have 0% chance of winning a Super Bowl, Parthy.
1: Hmm. Well, everybody's pointing uh, out the seven and six that they were at w- at one point. in Well, 2021. This, is, this is
0: the big thing is a, a win on Thursday. You're at the same record you were at in 2021. And I just want to bring up these numbers real quick. This is Vegas talking. This isn't the bills biases. And I do think Vegas does have their head in the clouds a little bit when it comes to Buffalo. I'll admit that. But bills to win the AFC was plus 450 before the beginning of the season. It's now at plus 600. Mm. Not a massive change. Bills to win Super Bowl, plus 800 in some spots, plus 850, plus 900 in some spots. Bills to win Super Bowl today, plus 1,200. So the real thing here I think that sucks and why people are frustrated is not so much overall that the Bills have been such a letdown to their aspirations, but I think that you've seen the Dolphins kind of catch the Bills, and you've seen Casey kind of doing what Casey does. So just to kind of put a bow on that before we get into the wrestling talk, the the. Odds haven't really changed that much for the Bills overall. If you were betting them in the preseason, you're not really getting much better, quote-unquote, odds, longer odds now. Uh, but the other teams have kind of caught up in that regard or in KC's sense. KC was about the same odds of everything of the Bills preseason. They were plus 450. They were plus 800 to win the Super Bowl. KC is now plus 200 to win the AFC. KFC is now plus 450 to win the Super Bowl. So a lot of damage to those numbers, Parthi. numbers
1: talk, and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. <laughs> well, the number the numbers are slipping a little bit, just a little bit every week. Uh, if they can't mount any kind of uh, superior offense against the Bucs, they got the Bengals coming up right after that. And I would bet you if, if we see a repeat of what happened last year against the Bengals, you'll see those odds slip a, a whole lot more. Yeah, seriously. Hey, uh, and I know I appreciate everyone
0: following. I know with wrestling talk, people might be heading for the hills. But one last time, huge shout out to our show sponsor, Outlet Liquor.
1: Outlet Liquor is your place to buy a case. Stock up and save when you shop the lowest prices available every day at Outlet Liquor. You never have to wait for a sale. The more you buy, the more you save. Only at Outlet Liquor.
0: What's your outlet? All righty. Let's get into it, Parthi. Uh, Wrestling world, we had a pretty crazy week last week across all the action, across all the storylines. Things continue to move. But I think the biggest thing that anyone's talking about uh, is not in the ring, is not in the on-screen action. It is in what's happening behind the scenes with WWE, with Endeavor, with Vince McMahon. Uh, The first whispers, when was that really that that first whisper came out that, you know, Vince McMahon made a house of cards himself?
1: What was a like week? ago?
0: It, was, it a could have been more than a week ago. and a half ago, right? Yeah. Like, Ari Emanuel,
1: the report that Ari Emanuel has basically taken the, the day-to-day uh, creative away from Vince McMahon and basically knighted, as they said, Triple H in that regard. They said 99.9%, which leaves just the sliver of possibility that McMahon may come down from the clouds on high and say, no, I don't want this guy on TV anymore. Hey, we haven't seen Omos around in a hot minute, have we?
0: Yeah, we haven't seen a lot, a lot of the ridiculousness that is typically tied to Vince McMahon, the over-the-top jokes, et cetera, things like that. And the one thing we've seen is the redevelopment part of the three things. The Intercontinental uh, title kind of being prominent on TV and having matches and kind of being one of the top titles. Two, the Tag Team Championships being front and center. I mean, geez, it feels like the Tag Team Champions are involved in every main event, whether it's SmackDown or Raw, uh, you know, for this past two or three months. And then three, you know, my favorite is the backstage action. So you got a lot more backstage segments developing the characters, developing the personas, and not just that, you're having crucial storylines play out in the background of segments that going to be about other stars. Yeah, Yeah, so I'm I'm really loving that, and I think that is uh, hard evidence that we are seeing a Paul Levesque run show.
1: That's a Triple H special, throwing things into the background that, you know, the detectives and the private eyes have to isolate and say, hey, what's that going on? And then it leads to something later on. It, these things, they were even getting directly referenced on following shows. Like, hey, who? what were you doing talking to that guy back there? Exactly. What's that all about?
0: Rollins, what was it? Rollins calling out McIntyre and yes. Ripley or something? Yeah. So you're seeing good stuff like that. It's not just the people at home that know it. So it's good stuff like that. And yeah, it's very entertaining. I'll never forget. I forget who it was, but I think it was Dewdrop and somebody else, and they were next to like a car accident, and it was in the background. That and was the, the first very. One, and that was one. the first yeah. one that we like noticed. We're like, "What's going on here?" And so that yeah, was great. It's like and a yeah, murder mystery. <laughs> it makes the show. This is all I can say. Is is I think. Parthi, the the worst thing that can happen when you're watching wrestling is someone that's older than 18 years old or even older than 16 years old is to watch a product and feel like it's being like for children to feel like it's specifically targeted children. I feel like that happened a lot in the 20, you know, late 20, 2000s, 2010s, and especially like into the late 2010s with the Vince McMahon era. And I feel like that's being reeled back a little bit with Triple H, a little bit of an edgier product. Like no offense, but during that peak Triple H area, remember, remember when <laughs> Drew McIntyre called Roman Reigns the Tribal Queef?
1: Oh my goodness, was not I happening. Not
0: know about was that. not happening on a on a Vince McMahon show. But love to see it. Love to see the action. Love to see it. You know, geared towards a little bit more of a bigger audience, and obviously, love to see the competition between these brands here, Parthi. Uh, What have you thought? Obviously, a lot's being made of the AEW ticket numbers. A lot is being made of the, uh, you know, the ratings, et cetera. A lot is being made negatively about AEW. With that said, AEW is pointing to, you know, the live show success they've had with their pay-per-views and the live show subscriber numbers uh, they had for their trifecta of shows over those 45 days. Where are you at right now on the status of the quote-unquote
1: wrestling war? I think AEW is still creatively steady. I, with all the turnover they've had on certain guys leaving and then certain other guys coming in for different reasons, uh it looks like it looks like they're still trying to find their way. They they, they definitely have something with MJF, but of course Adam Cole's injury kind of derailed that. And uh as long as they're keeping him front and center and keeping people invested in his storyline, I think they'll have a lot of interest as far as viewership wise goes. But uh yeah, you're right. The when you look at the when you look at ticks and showing how the show by show uh the the attendance seems to be going down a little bit. Uh The ratings seem to be steady around 80,0, 900,000 as far as for regular Dynamites go. But I think they do have to be concerned about uh, the live attendance because they can only point the camera so many ways and then darken the arena so much to the point where they're not going to be able to hide it too much anymore. Meanwhile, WWE is just going up and up, whereas year over year, they used to have like seven thousand, eight hundred thousand fans for shows. Now they're topping 10,000 in some of these same cities they're going back to. So they have nothing to worry about for attendance. And I think AEW has to, you know, wonder if they're uh, going back to these markets a little too much, especially places like Chicago and WWE just sold out Chicago for survivor series.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's face it. It's just plain and simple going to those big cities. Like AEW has gone to the well a few times in those cities too much. Probably Uh, that's, that's safe to say. Uh, But speaking of going to the well, you can't go wrong with an MJF storyline. I mean, geez, you got half the roster, and AEW is involved in storylines of this guy from the acclaimed to Jay White to Kenny Omega. Uh, what are we at? Nine nine days, bitch. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: but uh before we we be wind down train tonight here, I'll ask you one last question.
1: Yeah. Who
0: is behind the devil mask right now? Ooh. We saw our second appearance
1: of the uh of the pseudo devil. Hmm. I mean, they... With Adam Cole, I, I believe Adam Cole's injury is legitimate. I don't think that uh, they would bring him back so quickly Harvey, after that. Any doubt,
0: though? Still no surgery after all of this?
1: He had didn't, he, didn't they say he had double surgery on his... I don't know what's going on. As far as who's behind the devil mask, uh, I don't think it's MJF. I think if they wanted to turn him back heel, they would have done it already. I think they're riding a wave of momentum of his popularity uh, going up. Uh. He just has so many obvious enemies trying to isolate something that we don't know of. I don't think whoever's behind the double mask is with MJF. The only, person, the
0: only person that we know is going for MJF and it's not
1: is Wardlow. But Wardlow would be pretty obvious if you're no, no, behind the MJF. We, we mask. know
0: we know we know that it's not him. Like, like cause he's the only yeah. blatantly open that he's going after MJF. Like, so he's the only one that we really know it's not him. Well, everybody he's, also, gets, he's also too big to be in that devil costume. That the right. Exactly. Do, like small.
1: There's a but lot yeah. of people blatantly going after MJF from uh, Samoa Joe to Jay White. And I, I don't think Kenny Omega is going to be in the mix. I think MJF's just rubbing in that he's about to break his uh, longest title reign record.
0: Is that is that uh, just last last question? And then we're out here on TT314. Is that the best storyline in wrestling going down this last stretch of the year here? We've got about. We have literally about 70 days left in the, in the 2023 year. Is that the best storyline the remainder of this calendar year?
1: Only with Roman Reigns returning just recently, they have to reheat the bloodline story in order to say that's the best storyline uh, going forward. But I'd say overall MJF and everything going around him. And uh, where is he with Adam Cole? Who's going to be his next title challenger? Who's behind the devil mask, etc. There's a lot of intrigue and a lot of layers to everything surrounding him. So I would say, yeah, MJF for the time being, unless they reheat the, the bloodline story with uh obviously going uh, one-on-one with LA Knight for the title is going to be intriguing. There's uh, probably no chance that as much as we love LA Knight, that he's going to win the title like crown jewel. But uh, uh, there's a, not, not a whole too much uh, family drama other than uh, where does Jimmy stand? Because Jimmy's basically back in the bloodline for reasons, whatever.
0: Seriously. The Jimmy thing has been a little bit of a flip flop, but He is selling it with the QB play, so uh, Mm -hmm. better QB play than the Bills have been getting in the first half so far. (laughs) Uh, Hey, if you want two halves that are always going to be consistent, make sure you're following everything here on Trainwreck Sports. We got a lot going on. We'll be uh, at the game day tailgate on Thursday, uh, hoping for a big win over the Bucks. Uh, Parthi, give me a score prediction
1: for Thursday night. Oh, putting you to the test. Oh, what's the line? Seven, eight. The Bills are favored by seven or eight.
0: 42 and a half over under. So Vegas is telling you it's going to be a 24 17 game.
1: I say 24 17 bucks. 24 I, 17 bucks? I predicted that the Patriots would cover the spread, but I still thought the Bills would win. I no one was predicting the Patriots would win, but I didn't believe in the Bills enough because of the recent struggles. And now after this game, you know what? I'm off the bad I'm off the bandwagon until they win again. One okay. game. Give me one game. Okay. And and you'll be back on the bandwagon. Sure. Okay. All right. We need you back on the bandwagon.
0: Let's all have a great week. Let's go get a Savers win. Let's go get a Bill's win on Thursday, but most importantly tonight, let's get a good night now. Good
1: night now.